67. Psalm 67. A very short psalm this evening. Psalm 67. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we do confess that you are worthy. You are worthy and you are wonderful. You are our Father, you are our Creator, you are our Savior, you are our Sustainer. And you alone are holy. And you alone are worthy. It's our privilege this evening to gather as your church to lift your name. And we pray that you would be honored in all that is said and done in this hour. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 67. Follow along as I read. God be merciful to us. And bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. As I mentioned, it's a short psalm. It's a joyful psalm, as you can tell as we read it. Some call it the missionary psalm. The focus of this psalm is on the nations and their response to God. As I was reading it today, it kind of it reminds me uh, of something that we do regularly. That would be communion. This coming Sunday, we're going to come to the Lord's table. We're going to come to communion. And when we do that, what are we doing? We're remembering. We look back to the cross and what, what Christ has done for us. We're proclaiming that to each other. We're doing it as a community. God has done this for us. And at the same time, we're looking forward, are we not? To when God completes what he has promised. We're looking back to the cross. We're looking forward to eternity. In a sense, that's what's going on here in Psalm 67. They're not looking back to the cross, obviously. That's still long in the future at this point. They're looking back. To Genesis 12 and to Genesis 22, they're looking back to the Abrahamic covenant. This is what our God promised. And this is what he's going to do. And we're looking forward to that day when he does it. That's kind of what Psalm 67 is. It's, it's, a, it's a chance to sit back, to reflect on what God has promised, what God has done, and what God will fulfill. And you see that worked out as you work your way through it. It says to the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. And we see that even in the setup, verses 3 and 5 kind of serve as choruses. It's repeated, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. That's kind of the core of this prayer. 
This whole psalm, that's what it comes down to. Let the peoples praise you, O God, all the peoples. So that's the chorus. In verses 1 to 2, then, you have kind of verse 1 of this song. And it's their prayer. And then verse 4, between the two choruses, you have their hope. And then verses 6 to 7, the third verse of this song, their confidence in the present. So the first thing we see here at the beginning is the prayer. Their prayer. It's important for us to ask who the there is in that sentence. Because it says here at the beginning, verse 1, God be merciful to us and bless us. It's important for us to pause and to consider who is the us here. Is it the church? Is it us today? Well, we weren't around then, so no. This is Israel. God's chosen nation. Let God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. In fact, that phrase is almost a word-for-word copy of number 6, 22-27, the priestly blessing that Aaron gives. In fact, if you'll turn over with me to number 6. Numbers 6. Verses 22 to 27. The priestly blessing. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, This is the way that you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. So even the opening line here in Psalm 67, they're looking back to this blessing, this promise that God has given them specifically as his people. He has put his name on them. We are your people. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. The idea of the face to shine upon them is a sign of favor. It is to turn toward them favorably. It's it's the opposite of if he were to turn his face away from them. In fact, we see that sometimes in the Psalms and in, in the Bible where, the, where it talks about the Lord turns his face from them. That's a sign of his displeasure. The prayer here is a sign of favor. Accept us. We are yours. You have called us. And so God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. We saw in number six, this is the blessing that the priests would give over the people. It says, God's people. But as you go on, in verse 2, there's an important word at the beginning of that verse. It's the word that. That. There's a purpose to this. God, be merciful to us. God, bless us. God, cause your face to shine upon us. Why? To what end? Just so that we can gather in this land that you've given us and we can do our thing by ourselves, our little holy huddle? No. 
Why? That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Essentially, the prayer here in these first two verses is this, Lord, bless us. Show favor to us so that we can go and show favor and bless the world. Bless us so that we can make your way known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. As I mentioned, this goes back to Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, to Genesis 22, 18, the Abrahamic covenant, as God promises all these things to Abraham. And one of those things he says at the end is this, and you all the earth will be blessed. That's what they're looking back to in this prayer. You've made a promise to bless the world through us. You promised to give a land, a people, and a blessing. Here we are. We're your people. Now bless the world through us. Bless us so that we can go and bless the world. It's almost sounding like a New Testament passage now. Is this something that, that we would be familiar with, that we would expect? And, and, and it's odd that as you look throughout the Old Testament, you don't see this, this sentiment. It doesn't seem to come out a lot in God's people. I mean, you look at the, the big, what, what about Jonah? He did not feel this way at all. He didn't want to go. I mean, even when you get to the, the, the New Testament, the religious leaders that Jesus was, was dealing with, they were very insulated in their view of what God was doing. It's about us. And yet, here in the middle of the Psalms, we find this missionary psalm, a prayer for God to bless his people so that his salvation can go out among all nations. It's a recognition of God's mercy and grace and of their responsibility in the present. God has chosen us. He's been merciful. He's been gracious to us. We have a responsibility that your, your way may be known on the earth, that your salvation among all nations. That's verse, that, that, that's verse one of this song, these first two verses of the psalm. That's their prayer. Bless us. So that the nations may be blessed. And we see that repeated here in the chorus. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. All of the peoples. Again, this recognition of God's purposes that reach beyond just Israel. That reach beyond Jerusalem. Beyond their, their physical borders. As you come to verse 4 then. We see this prayer, verses 1 and 2, and then verse, verse 4 of the psalm, verse 2, if it were a song, if that makes sense. <laughs> verse 4 here, we see the hope. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the peoples righteously and govern the nations, the nations on earth. Selah. The setting of verse 4 jumps way into the future to Christ's millennial kingdom 
where there is a righteous ruler and there is a joyful time on all the earth. The nations are glad and they sing for joy. The prayer in verses 1 and 2 has been answered. God has blessed his people and through them the earth has been blessed. And, and the way God's way has been known on the earth is salvation among all the nations. And now, verse 4, they find themselves in Christ's millennial kingdom. He is ruling. All their hopes have been fulfilled. He judges the people righteously. He governs the nations on earth. And as you come to verse 4, we see that as Israel preaches a universal message in verses 1 and 2, so Christ will rule a universal kingdom. Here in verse 4. And so you see a progression here. Verses 1 and 2, their prayer, do this God, bless us so that the earth can be blessed, so that they can hear of who you are, the salvation among the nations. That's their prayer. And then verse 4 is, is way in the future. When this prayer is fulfilled, it is answered. When Christ has come and his, his kingdom is, is set up and he is ruling and that hope in verses 1 and 2 has been fulfilled. So then you come to verse 5. It repeats the chorus. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. You can almost sense as you're working through this, the building excitement. As they get to that verse, I can just imagine the, the congregation as they're standing and they're singing the song together and they, they sing their prayer in the first two verses and they sing the chorus. And then they, verse 4 had to be so exciting to sing as a people as they look to the future and they come to the chorus again. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. How exciting that must have been. That is their hope coursing through the peoples. Do this, Lord. Then you come to verses 6 and 7 and you see their confidence in this. It's interesting how the, the New King James translates this in, in a future sense. Then the earth shall yield her increase. But everything else I looked at does it more as a present tense rather than future. So rather than, then the earth shall yield her increase. For instance, the ESV says, the earth has yielded its increase. The idea here is not, this will happen way in the future when God does that. Rather, the idea is that this is a future, present evidence of our future hope. So you look back to, to verses 1 and 2. This is our prayer that you would do this, God. That you would be merciful to us. That you would bless us. What evidence is there that God will do this in the future? It's the fact that he blesses us in the present. It's the fact that he is faithful now. That he has been faithful then. The earth has yielded its increase. They look specifically to harvest. God has blessed us. Our hope for God to bless us in the future is the fact that God blesses us now. He blessed us last year. He'll bless us next year. God will bless, bless us. In fact, that's what you see. 
God, our own God, shall bless us. He repeats it. God shall bless us. How do you know? Because the earth has yielded its increase. Because God has faithfully provided year after year after year. Since he made that promise all of those years ago in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 22 that he would give Abraham a people and a land and he would bless the earth. He's done that. He's been faithful. Once again, the earth has yielded its harvest. And so we know that God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. God's present provision gives us hope for God's future fulfillment of all that he has promised. And that's what the nation of Israel is clinging to in this psalm. You have provided specifically in the harvest. They're looking to something very tangible. Right? This isn't just all theoretical. God will provide. God will provide. They're saying, look, God has provided. Look at this food that we have. This grain that we have. The earth has yielded its income. God has provided. We have evidence. We have proof. We have confidence then in our hope that he will provide, that he shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. It shall happen. It will come to pass. And so the main idea of this psalm, there's, there's, Many things. You could look at God's faithfulness as they look to the past, what God has promised, what God has done. They look to the future, what he will do. But the main idea, I would say, is probably a prayer for God to bless his people so that they can bless the world. Equip us as your people. You've made promises to us, Lord, as Israel is praying this. You've made promises to us. Equip us with all that we need. Fulfill the promises that you've given us. Now as we step back, now, here we are, as the church today, and we look at a psalm like this. It's just as encouraging to us, because it's the same God that we serve. And just as Israel looked back to Genesis 12 and to Genesis 22, and they looked back to all the promises that God had made to Abraham and David and all those before them, so we look back. We look back all the way to Genesis 12. We look back to Genesis 22, to God's promises to Abraham, to God's promises to David. We look at, at all the promises that God made to Israel and his people and how God has fulfilled those. And then we look at the promises that God has made to us and how he has fulfilled those. Our hope is their hope that a God who has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. He is unchanging. And so the call to us, the application, would be the big idea that even as the church today, as those called out by God, 
We have a great commission to go to all the world and to make disciples. And so I think a psalm like this feels very comfortable to us. It feels very at home because we, we have the same calling. God has saved us and he has called us and he has equipped us and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and the gospel will go forth. And one day a, a, a throng of people from every nation and tongue and people will gather before the throne and will worship the Lord and we have that hope. And we look forward just like they're looking forward here. That the God who made that promise will fulfill it. What proof do we have? It's the same proof they had. Look at how he's provided even this year. Look at little things that he has provided to give you big hope. Look at the harvest that he has provided. The food that he has provided. The freedom that he has provided. He's a God who provides. He's a God who fulfills his promises. So our hope for the future is his faithfulness in the past. And we'll have an opportunity, as I mentioned, this Sunday, as we gather on Sunday night and we take communion together, we'll do the very thing that they're doing in this psalm. As we look back, we look at present, what the Lord is doing, and we look to the future, what he will do. What a joy it is, what hope there is in serving a faithful God. It's a little psalm. Again, it's packed with so much joy, so much hope, so much excitement. You just feel it brimming up of what God is going to do through his people. I hope you're excited what God is going to do through us. Even today, what God is doing through his church and the world. So as we go to a time of prayer, Go with hope. Go knowing that your God is in control. That he is faithful as he's been in the past, so he is in the present, and he will be in the future. So with that 